amazing when we think about God and how, just how awesome he is. Somebody had a phone, and uh, they showed me uh, recently a button they could push, and they said, here are all of the friends, or whatever you say, that I'm, you know, you can, um, what is it, track them, and they track, you share your location. And I was overwhelmed just for a minute with how big our God is. When I watched, they took the phone, and they, and there were friends in California, and this friend was down here in Mexico, and so here are all these dots, maybe a dozen dots of, of friends, and, and I thought, wow, that's amazing, number one, that you can tell your friend is at a coffee shop in Mexico. Kind of scary, to be honest with you, really. I don't want people to know, <laughs> know that many details, but not that I'm doing anything wrong, by the way, but I was overwhelmed with, with God and thinking that God, he doesn't need a phone. He knows where all the dots are. He knows where all of us are. Uh, billions you know, of people. It's, it's, it, our brains can't handle that. At least my brain can't, that's for sure. But I'm thankful that in the midst of all of these people, he cares about me as an individual. You don't get a busy signal with God. We're going to talk about that today. You know, guys and I, you have to wait in line to see the Lord or to talk to the Lord. He loves us and cares about us. Hebrews chapter 10 this morning in our Bibles. On a regular basis, I don't know about you, but on a regular basis, I get emails from different sources communicating concerning the challenges that we face in our day. You talk to people, and obviously people are burdened about this and that, and a lot of it stems uh, from things that are going on in the economy. On a regular basis, on Wednesday nights, we spend time in prayer. Someone will say, please pray uh, for our country. You know, our, con- our country's not what it, it was. It may never be what it was. Um, but the interesting thing is, regardless of what happens, in every age, God's church has moved forward. In every age, I mean, imagine living in the times of Nero. Imagine waking up and thinking, well, today might be the day they knock on my door and they carry me out and they put me on a post and they burn me at the stake. I mean, if you think... Um, the gas prices are high and some things are challenging. Remind yourself about what the Christians went through in, in Nero's time. At least they're not burning you and I at the stake yet. I mean, it might come that to that. I hope it doesn't. Um, there'll be a more technologically uh, advanced way uh, to do things should it come to that. But the reality is the church of all ages has really uh, continued to move forward by focusing on God and on what God has asked us to do, and focusing on what Christ has done for us. Hebrews chapter number 10 isn't necessarily talking about the challenges of the day. Um, it is a chapter that reminds us that Christ uh, did what Christ did for us. Uh, the chapter addresses really the finality of Christ's sacrifice, it contrasts the Old Testament sacrificial system. Uh, remember, in the Old Testament, they would have to uh, sacrifice a lamb, and it was a repeated sacrifice. And we find in Hebrews 10 what God did for us. His sacrifice was final. Aren't you glad for that? I sure am. Uh, when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. And uh, what we have in Christ is awesome. 
As a matter of fact, I contemplated preaching this message tonight because we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the problem is we're in the middle of a series, kind of in the middle of a series on Ruth, and we haven't looked at Ruth in a little while, and so I decided let's talk about Hebrews 10, and we'll talk about Ruth tonight, uh, lest we forget what we learn <laughs> in the book of Ruth. I want to read beginning in verse number 19 and uh, through verse number uh, 25. I want to read these verses, and I want to challenge us today in challenging days, which we face challenging days, and, and God's people have faced challenging days throughout time. In challenging days, we re- need to remember to focus on Christ, what he's done for us, and what he wants us to do. And so that's really what I want to remind us about this morning from Hebrews 10, beginning in verse number 19, follow along as I read, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Can I summarize it this way? Based on what Christ has done for us, We've got some admonition in verse 22, 23, 24, 25. Number one, we'll look at this in a minute. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us, this will be number two, hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And number three... Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day of the Lord's return is coming. I hope you're excited about it. We ought to be excited about it. John writes there in Revelation, Even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. And that ought to be our heart cry. As Jesus, as the time gets closer for Jesus to come, oh, the day's going to get darker. And we see this in the Word of God as well. And I want to really just admonish us what we have in Christ if we'll focus, like every other generation, on walking with God and on doing what God has called us to do. That's the key for us in this day. And you look at past generations, you look at the church of old, and you will see a focus on God and on doing what God has called us to do. It is easy for us to get caught up in the news. It's easy for us to get caught up in how bad things are going and the challenges that we face in society. God wants us to be focused on Him and fulfilling what He has called us to do. So let's have a word of prayer, and then I want to challenge us in these three areas Uh, with how we can focus on Christ. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege to love you. Thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the music, Lord, and how it stirs our hearts and how it prepares us, Lord, just for the preaching of your word. Now, Lord, I ask you to do what only you can do, and I ask that you would work in our hearts. Lord, you know the needs that each one here has. And Spirit of God, I yield myself to you, and I pray you'd use truth to meet needs and glorify yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, I want us to see this in light of what Christ has done as we think about how can I focus on Christ and what he has done. Number one is to draw near to him. The scripture says here in verse number 22, let us draw near. 
the idea is to move toward or come near to. The idea is to draw nigh. And, you know, sometimes, and, and have you, anybody ever encountered somebody that you find is intimidating? Come in a room, and maybe you have to go see the boss, and you think that person is intimidating. And well, sometimes we can find ourselves being shy when it comes to drawing near to somebody that is intimidating. When I think concerning God and him demonstrating himself to people in the Bible uh, with the fish there, Peter said, he knelt before Jesus and said, depart from me, Lord, right? I'm a sinful man. We think about Isaiah. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. But when we think concerning God's desire to have a relationship with us, God wants us to draw near to him, And I think it's interesting, as we look at drawing near, how do we draw near? Look at what the scripture says. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Number one, we can be confident in drawing near. With full assurance, God tells us to draw near to him. God wants to have a close relationship with you. How many of you have what I call a one-sided friend? Uh, you say, well, what is a one-sided friend? A one-sided friend is kind of where you do the reaching out and there's not much reciprocating back. For instance, you send someone a text and you say, hey, man, how you doing? And you get nothing, right? Or, hey, I'm praying for you and you get nothing. Now, it's important that we do not have uh, a relationship contingent on someone, Right? Uh, we have to have a measure of one-sided friends in our life because we're Christians. And we'll talk about this in a little bit. But the idea is what, what blesses you is when you have that reciprocation, when there's a, a, a two-sided aspect. Let me tell you this. As much as you want to be close to God, God wants to be close to you. And the scripture says to draw near with full assurance, with full confidence. Hey, when we go to God, we're not going to get a busy signal. God is not going to be too busy to not give us attention. You ever try to have a conversation with them and there's someone and they're sitting on their phone? Don't lie. Everybody say, hey, man, that's right, preacher. Not me, of course. No, it's the other person, right? You want, you want, hey, I want your attention. Do you know what? God, his ear is open to our cry. And we think about what we have. We have a privilege to draw nigh to God and to be confident that God will draw nigh to us. The scripture says that. Over and over we read in the word of God where the Bible says, I called unto the Lord and he heard my cry. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Hey, God wants us to draw nigh to him. Secondly, as we look at this matter of drawing near, not only can we come in confidence, but we can be clean in our coming. Look at the verse. The verse says this, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I find this. I find two challenges in drawing near to somebody, right? Number one is if they don't want me to draw near to them. Or maybe they're intimidating. God says, hey, come in full assurance. Don't be intimidated. Come. I want you to come. But secondly, isn't it hard sometimes to approach somebody when there is an issue? 
I know no husband in here would ever do anything to displease their wife in any way, shape, or form. But let's pretend that you happened to do something that displeased your wife and you knew she was upset. You know, the inclination would be to come in, you know what I'm saying? Oh, maybe to stop at the store and have some flowers. You know, we're not as uh, we're not as happy. Hey, you come in when you know someone isn't. All right. Sometimes in our approach to God, He's holy, and we're not. And sometimes we can have a, a, a sheepishness, if we would, in our approach to God because of, uh, uh, of the fact that, well, he's God and I'm intimidated. But the, but the other thing that can, that can cause us to have a sheepishness, and God takes care of this in the Bible, is because I'm a sinner and I've done wrong. And God's holy and God can't look upon sin. And so sometimes in our relationship with God, we can find ourselves maybe a little hesitant, but God takes care of that. Why? Because he says this, he says, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has provided for us cleansing so that we can be free. We have the righteousness of Jesus Christ in approaching him in a bold way. Tonight we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper and prior to uh, our deacons passing out the cup and the bread there, we'll, we'll take a few minutes and I'll say this. The Bible says, let a man examine himself, right? Lest you eat or drink unworthily. The whole idea of that is we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We remember what he did for us on the cross. He died and he shed his blood and he provided for us forgiveness of sin. And we examine ourselves, Lord, is there sin in my life? Is there something I'm holding on to that's hindering or could hinder my relationship with you? The idea is not to not take the Lord's Supper. I've known people that's come in, have the Lord's Supper, and I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper uh, because I'm not right with God. Well, let me tell you, if, you don't, if you're not right with God, don't partake of the Lord's Supper because you'll, you'll, you'll bring God's judgment on you. But that's not the intent. The intent is, we're serving the Lord's Supper, get right with God. That's the intent. The intent is, Jesus died for you, that you might have forgiveness of sins, and you might approach him boldly, with assurance, with confidence, and with cleansing. Draw near to God. Now, I want to ask you a few questions real quick before we move on. Why sometimes do we not draw near to God? Why sometimes do we ask each other, how are your Bible reading going? How's your scripture reading going? How's your well? Well, could be better. You see, we have one of the greatest privileges is to spend time with God. And often we're more versed concerning the sports statistics and who's playing and the weather for the rest of the week than we are about the truths of God's word that God is teaching us. Hey, Christ died on Calvary's cross. Hey, we're not Old Testament, we're New Testament. He said it is finished. Hey, in the challenging days in which we live, we got to draw nigh to the God who's in control 
to the God that loves us. It is an awesome privilege to draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. How much time do you spend with God this week? How much time do you spend with, oh, I'm too busy. Oh, you're not too busy. Hey, we, we, we make time for what is important for us. And I'm so burdened that we walk with the Lord. I'm so burdened. Hey, there's nothing wrong with knowing a few statistics of other things. But I'll tell you this, you're going to be more versed in the scriptures than you are what's going on in the Middle East. Or what's going on in the economy. Or what's going on with prices and this and that. Hey, I'm not saying we need to be ignorant, but I am saying we need to be full of the knowledge of God because drawing near to God and understanding God is what's going to help us to accomplish what he has us here to accomplish. God didn't leave us here to, to learn all the statistics and all, all the facts about the bad news. God left us here to know the good news and to be promoters of the good news. Secondly, I want to see this as we look at... Uh, focusing. By the way, I love the hymn. Uh, I think it's 314 in our hymn book. I love stanza number <clears throat> number three in this hymn. <clears throat> oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before the Lord I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. And the chorus is draw me near. Hey, what a relationship we can have with God. Secondly, look at the next verse, verse number three. So number one, let us draw near. Number two, let us hold fast. So we're drawing near to him. We're holding fast for him. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. I want you to see two thoughts here. The idea of hold fast is to continue to believe and practice. Number one, without wavering, has the idea of being faithful. It has the idea of marked by firm determination or resolution to be unbending. When the going gets rough, sometimes people quit. Hey, we see it in the scriptures. Paul wrote to Timothy at the end of his life, and he said, Hey, Demas, you find in the book of Colossians, the end of there, you see where Demas is serving with me. In the end of Timothy, he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And I tell you, there's a temptation to just give in. There's a temptation to give up. There's a temptation to say, Hey, what did Paul say to the church at Galatia? I marvel, Galatians chapter 1, I marvel that you are so soon removed from what? From the gospel that he preached unto him. You're so soon removed. The hymn writer said this, you know the song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it forth thy courts above. And sometimes when the days get challenging, there's a tendency for us to ease off, there's a tendency for us to back down, there's a tendency for us to quit. Don't be a closet Christian. You say, what do you mean? Don't. Hey, I'll tell the world. I'll tell the world about Jesus. Hey, we ought not be ashamed to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we go out in the workplace, we ought not be ashamed to say, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I serve the Lord. Hey, I'm going to a Bible college. Hey, I'm studying to be a missionary or a pastor. Hey, I go to Victory Baptist Church. Hey, hey, what? I, I'm a Christian, and I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm proud to bear the name of Jesus Christ. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. I think of another hymn. Who is on the Lord's side? You think about that. Hey, be faithful. Why? Because look at Christ. Look at all that Christ did for us. Hey, we need to focus on our relationship. You say, but Pastor, things are just so tough in this time. Things are just making gas prices. Focus on Christ. Hey, God's still on the throne. Well, our faithfulness isn't contingent upon gas prices being at a certain level. Well, I'm not serving the Lord anymore because the gas went past my budget. Hey, our, our service for God isn't contingent on our circumstances. It's contingent on him and who he is and what he's done. Hey, uh, 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 hold fast the profession of faith without wavering. But then, for he is faithful that promised. Not only do we have to be faithful, one word. I'll explain this in a minute. But we have to be faithful, two words, faith-filled. We think about this. I need to be faithful to God in my service. But look, I can be full of faith as I serve God because of what the Scripture says. Look, faith-filled. He is faithful that promised. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, 2 Timothy chapter 2. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What is he saying in 2 Timothy 1? Look, I'm not ashamed. I suffer these things. I am being faithful to God because I know that he's being faithful to me. I know that he will keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. As we look at serving God, more than anything, I think as Christians, we need to be more aggressive in giving the gospel. We need to take a greater stand. You see, Pastor, the world is going far away from God, and it is on a weekly, probably a monthly basis. I hear things, and I'm thinking... My brain can't comprehend how far our society is going from the things of God. Do you know the darker the night, the brighter the light? And our light ought to shine bright for the Lord Jesus. And we ought to say, hey, I'm going to hold fast. I'm going to hold true. I'm going to keep believing the word of God. I'm going to keep preaching the word of God. I'm going to keep standing for what, no matter what anybody else does. And I know that God is going to be faithful. And I know that God will do his part. Do you know what? It's my part to give the gospel. It's God's part to save that soul. 
And if I'll obey God and I'll take truth and I'll tell people, hey, Jesus loves you and Jesus can save you, the Spirit of God will work and God will see people saved and he'll use you and me to do so. Hey, what a, what a great God we serve. He's faithful. I love the song, Earthly Friends May Prove Untrue. Doubts and fears assail. One still loves and cares for you. One who will not fail. Hey, Jesus, Stephen picked us this morning. I didn't, I didn't have nothing to do with the song service, picking the hymns. Jesus, wonderful Lord. What a wonderful Lord. Hey, we have a faithful God. Hey, we're focusing on Christ. How are we doing that? By drawing near, by holding fast. But let me show you number three, by considering others with him. Verse 23, and let us, let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The word consider means to think very carefully, to give careful consideration. One commentator said this, it has the idea of perceiving others, to get our eyes off of ourselves and to view the needs of others. It's interesting, the Bible uses the word provoke. We often see provoke, obviously it has the idea of inciting or instigating or stirring up. We often see it as a negative. You know, young people, you will come, dad will come in the room and say something, and you clean your room, and she'll say, dad, the Bible says provoke not your children to wrath, right? We see it as you're provoking me, right? Husband might say to a wife, or wife might say to the husband, hey, you're provoking me. We see it in a negative way. But here in the Bible, the God's word says this, we are to be provoking one another. We're to be instigating one another. In the youth this morning, we were talking about um, our friends. And we were talking about um, we have a tendency to gravitate to people that are kind of where we are spiritually. And sometimes if someone's more spiritual than us, we have a hard time. And I asked one of the kids, I said, why do we have a hard time? And they said this, because it's annoying. Right? It's annoying for someone that's, you know, reading their Bible and walking with the Lord to say, have you prayed about it? You know, and you're like, what do you mean have I prayed about it? You know what I'm saying? But the reality is that's what we need. You see, we need to hang around people that are more spiritual than us and hope that they can provoke us, that they can instigate us to love and to good works. You ever get mad? Don't raise your hand. You ever get mad when somebody says, hey, I missed you at church tonight. Where were you? You say, leave me alone. I was sleeping. Hey, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be provoking, instigating one another to love. Listen to what the scripture says, Galatians 6, 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is my commandment, John 15, that you love one another if I have loved you. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Romans 13, 8, owe no man anything but to love one another. Paul's admonition to the church at Galatia, Galatians 5, I gave you the positive, here's a negative. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed 
that you be not consumed. You think about that. You know, we're to be encouraged. We're to be provoking one another. So you're driving your car down the road. Actually, I drive my car down the road, and I hit this great big huge pothole, and I need four new tires now, and I just got it towed out of this big hole. And, um, and you call me up. You say, hey, I'm coming down this road, and I'm going to come see you. I say, okay, see you soon. I don't say anything. And uh, you're driving your own down, and you get a big hole. And uh, you call me up, hey, I'm going to be late. I got four new tires I need to get, waiting on the tow truck. I say, oh, okay, yeah. And you come see me, and we have lunch. And I say, yeah, same thing happened to me. And you go, why didn't you say anything? Right? And then you think, well, did he really care? I'm confused. I mean, he just had this happen to him. And, I'm, and I say this, well, I didn't say anything because <laughs> I didn't want to offend you. I didn't say anything. I wanted to offend you. you know, now you've got this big problem that could have been avoided. But you know what? The same principle applies in the spiritual life. You see, we, we get admonition. We're commanded to consider one another. We're commanded to provoke one another to love and good works. You see, God left us here to help one another. And we shouldn't get irritated or agitated. That's why it's so cool it uses that word, uh, provoke, because someone's trying to help us spiritually. Someone's trying to say, hey, I see a need in your life or a need in the life of one of your children. Look at this last, number one. Uh, be provoking. Number two, be prioritizing. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now you think about that. You know, a lot of churches, and I'm not criticizing any church. We just, I just try to focus on Victory Baptist Church, but I know a lot of churches are meeting less and less. You say, oh, we're getting closer for the return of Jesus. We are. And the scripture says, We ought to be encouraging so much the more as you see the day approaching. But we're meeting less and less, and our exhorting and assembling together should be more and more. You think about the aspect of our church, and God set up a church. One of the things to drift, as I've seen when people drift, they get away from the Lord, is they attend church less. They miss a service here. They miss a service there. And where do they find? Often they find that that is the way that exits them, sometimes even from a close relationship with the Lord. Hey, we're being supposed to be considering one another. I read this poem. I'll read this. I'll summarize and we'll be finished. If you want to kill the church, this is the poem. If you want to kill the church, never go to your church or meetings held there. If you do, if you do go, be late. It's no one's affair. If the weather is bad, either too hot or snowing, just stay home and rest, for there'll be others going. But you should attend, be sure and remember, but should you attend, be sure and remember, to find fault with the work, each official and member. Be sure to hold back on your offerings and tithes. The bills will be paid by the rest of the guys. Never take office if offered the post, but eagerly criticize work of the host. If you're not on a committee, your place to be sore. You, you, if you find that you are, don't attend anymore. When asked your opinion or this on this or that, have nothing to say. Just turn them down flat. 
Then after the meeting, shine out like the sun by telling the folks how it should have been done. Don't do any more than you possibly can. Leave the work for some other woman or man. And when you see faithful ones work themselves sick, then stand up and holler, it's run by a click. Interesting little poem there. Exhorting one another. So much the more as you see the day approaching. We live in challenging days. But the church has always lived in challenging days. The challenging days, you see, what, what should our focus be? The same focus it was on the early church. The same focus they had. A focus on our relationship with God. Given all that we have in Christ, let's draw near to Him. You're as close to God today as you want to be. Because God says, you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. Hey, let's hold fast. Let's stay faithful in accomplishing what God wants us to do. Let's consider others. Who is closer to God today? Who is more like Jesus today because of you? That's what it's about. It's about us in our generation being what God wants us to be. Paul said this, I close, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Lord, thank you for truth. Thank you for the admonition here in Hebrews 10. Lord, I pray that you would help us. There's no excuse for us to draw nigh, to not draw nigh to you. You told us to come in full assurance, to come confidently. You told us we can come cleansed. Lord, I pray that we would draw nigh to you. Lord, there's no excuse for us to not hold fast. Lord, you're faithful. 